Before we dive into this episode, I have a quick message for you guys. You know I'm all about human optimization, performance, and liberation of the mind, body, and soul. So I have a few tools and resources for you guys to become the best version of yourself that you could possibly be. The first is Strong Coffee. Strong Coffee brings you that specialty coffee experience and a healthy, done-for-you pre-mixed powder that includes instant organic coffee, grass-fed collagen protein, and MCT oil powder to fuel your mind and body for hours so you can spend more time and energy on the important things of life. If you're like me and love coffee, love caffeine, you need to have strong coffee in your household. It's an absolute game changer. They have amazing flavors to choose from like honey lavender, which I'm absolutely obsessed with, vanilla, mocha, and plain black. Again, you need to have this in your household. It tastes amazing and it's really, really, really good for you. You can use my code FOSSUM at checkout for a percentage off your purchase. That's code FOSSUM, F-O-S-S-U-M, for a percentage off your purchase. The next is Ketone IQ. Ketones are nature's super fuel, proven to support energy, focus, endurance, and more. Developed alongside the U.S. military and top universities, Ketone IQ delivers all those benefits in one drink. No caffeine, no sugar, just clean, on-demand energy for superior physical and cognitive performance. You can get them in a bottle or a shot form. I take both. I absolutely love them. I take them before a podcast, before I work out, or any activity that I'm going to need some cognitive energy, focus, and clarity. It really kicks in and helps me get the job done. I did a podcast with Michael Brandt, the CEO and co-founder of HVMN, who produced these Ketone IQ drinks. If you want to learn more about that subject, I suggest you listen to that podcast. It was amazing. You can use code CALEB at checkout. That's K-A-L-E-B at checkout for a percentage off your order. Last but not least is Vibram Five Fingers. You guys know I'm all about that barefoot lifestyle. I firmly believe in living a barefoot lifestyle. I think it's healthy. I think it just strengthens the foundation of your life and your body and just helps you overall, again, with performance, optimization, and liberation. So Vibram Five Fingers is a shoe that helps spread your feet to give you that barefoot lifestyle. It divides your toes up to help spread that feet, strengthen your foundation, and give you that barefoot feel anywhere you go. I take them to the gym. I take them out. I take them when I go on walks. I like to wear my Vibram Five Fingers any chance I can. And again, it just gives you that barefoot lifestyle anywhere you want to go. I have a link with the discount code already applied to it. So all you got to do is click the link and check out for a percentage off and free shipping for your order of Vibram Five Fingers. I'll have all links and codes in the show notes. And I really hope that you guys take advantage of these tools and resources that have helped change my life. I hope they change yours. I genuinely use all these products and I really, really hope that you guys take advantage of this opportunity. So now an uninterrupted podcast. I really hope you guys enjoy and be uncommon. Boom. All righty. We are live. Uh, welcome to Be Uncommon. I'm your host, Caleb Fossum. Uh, Luke cannot be here today. Um, so, you know, we love Luke, but, uh, He's out doing some big things with uh, El Toro softball. He's coaching right now, um, so good for him. Um, but on the podcast, joining me today, I got Nathan Barry. He is a sports performance, athletic development, and human optimization coach. He's worked in the college football space for a very, very long time, along with several other sports um, in the college football realm. He's also a USA weightlifting certified sports performance coach, um, and he is also the director of athletic optimization of Wild Health. So, um, Got a lot of great things, I think, that are going to uncome or uh, unfold in this podcast for you guys. Just, you know, we're big in the human optimization world, just really learning about it. Um, I've been very fascinated with it for a long time. 
Um, so I'm glad that we have, you know, professionals like Nathan um, taking the time to join us. But thank you so much, Nathan, for taking the time, man. Happy to have you on. Caleb, I appreciate the invite. It's uh, exciting to be here. I'm, uh, I'm pumped about it and I'm excited for our conversation today. Uh, I just, I love the title of your podcast, Be Uncommon. Thank you. Uh, I just want to give you a shout out on that. That's uh, it's awesome. It's it's so good to surround yourself with uncommon people and do all of the the things that are uncommon and separate yourself from just the the common practice of society. So I just I love the title, man. I was excited to, to be on. I really I really appreciate that, man. Yeah. What is what does uncommon mean to you? If we're just gonna hop right into that, because I, I really appreciate you bringing that up. I'm curious to know what that means to you. Yeah, I think it's um, it's this level of discipline and putting yourself in this optimal environment to succeed in whatever your goal may be. And that is going against the grain of society. I think this, the way we've been, um, I would say trained or the way that just our society operates is very common. It's very average. It's, you know, just programmed into us to just kind of follow this normal rhythm of society and, and just, um, you know, do the bare minimum. And, you know, I've always been fascinated with performance. It's always the people that are so disciplined in all realms of life mm. that they're dedicating it, themselves to growth, not in just one area, but truly all areas. And that, that definitely takes an uncommon person. And usually you see them succeed consistently at a greater level over time. I love that. There's a couple of things that struck a chord with me. And you said going against the grain I just read a quote the other day from Robin Sharma and it was genius is just going against the rational. And I loved it because it's like, it's, that's all it is. People are, Oh, you're a genius or you're, you're so smart. You're so innovative. And it's like, well, no, I'm just thinking about the impossible or what everybody labels as impossible. I'm just thinking against the rational. And then you said growing in not just one aspect. And I'm a firm believer. We talk about it all the time on the podcast of so just how you do anything is how you do everything. Um, it was funny because I was just talking to some kids about that today of like, you know, you can't, especially in the college football or college uh, sports world in general, um, I say football because that was my background, but, you know, you can't be a great athlete on the field, but be a half-assed student. It's just, it's not going to work. It's going to cause problems. And like you said, how you show up is how you show up. So, um, man, you being in the sports world for such a long um, you know, time so far and just the things, your accomplishments in that field, I'm really curious to dive in to college sports is it's another world man it's another world and i kind of just want to get your take on the environment of college sports just in general and, and just kind of your your background with these several years of, of coaching in it yeah it's it's interesting caleb that you say that because i've gotten this whole new perspective now of being out of college sports for uh, about two years now mm. uh so it's been a an interesting reflection point for myself to kind of look back and look in the environment and I would say now dealing with more of the optimization side and really fine tuning, especially for kind of these elite athletes is we're so focused on the 22 hours that are after the two hours you spend practicing or in the facility, right? Mm. In college, you're trying to get the athlete to truly buy in and dedicate themselves for that two hours of practice or two hours of training. And they're not all there. I think a good team, for the most part, you're looking at 90% are, are truly dedicating themselves, working their butt off for those two hours, the time that they're in the building. Um, but they probably don't have the 22 hours that follows truly dialed in. 
and for them it's just that process of dedicating themselves and learning to grow and, and become that person that can obviously work hard and put the the time and energy in with the right investment into practice into all things the sport requires but like we were saying earlier the the cream really rise to the top of the ones that have that dialed in but are also growing in the classroom classroom mentally spiritually emotionally uh, that they can actually develop in, in all of those areas. And those are the ones that really shine. But, you know, looking back at college now in this space, you know, I really feel like the colleges are a little bit behind still, just in terms of the cutting edge science. There's just, it's a little bit bureaucratic. Uh, there's just, there's so much politics within college mm. sports. Like even like the um, the sponsorships, like the Gatorade sponsorships, like, they're so handcuffed by all of these things that it truly limits them from kind of breaking through and being cutting edge. And I've so much rather or just enjoyed this space of kind of pushing the envelope a little bit and, and truly kind of being on that edge of, of you know, where is performance going um, and trying to explore those realms, um, obviously with making very conscious decisions um, educated decisions, doing all of the research, but then seeing where, like, where can human performance go and where can we take this? Wow. Um, I love that uh, because, you know, and I'm not going to generalize all strength coaches, um, you know, but there are, there is a lot of, there's ego in that college football realm. And I think a lot of, I think it honestly just over, it happens to players as well. I had, I grew an ego from freshman to senior year of just, these expectations of myself. And I think it just happens when you're in that environment because it's so competitive. And like you said, I almost feel like sometimes in college, you get to this point where it's like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So you're not open to, like you said, the new cutting edge or uh, taking another course or reaching out to another fellow strength coach of asking why, you know, I feel like there's like this weird area where you want to be deemed as the best because of position wise or to get that next job or whatever the case is. And it's hard. It's, it's, it's a really weird world. Like you said, and the sponsorships and all these different things that kind of handcuff you in these positions. Um, and again, there are some, obviously there's several amazing coaches out there, but I can understand and see, and I've seen firsthand how it can get fishy in those areas. Um, so I applaud you. I guess what was, what's the, uh, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but what is the biggest, I don't know. I'm very curious when you talked about those 22 hours after those two hour performance, like that's where the optimization comes in because you're saying I'm training this high level athlete that's already bought in. They're going to go do their best at practice. And I feel like college football is sometimes glorified babysitting with these 17, 18 year old kids that come in sometimes. Cause I remember being a captain as a senior, like, what are you doing? This is college football. Like wear the right shit, show up on time. Like, what do you think this is? And as a strength coach, you just want to be able to do your job. And I think sometimes in college, you're taking on a lot of other roles. Like honestly, a father figure to some guys, you're making sure we spend the most time with our strength coaches okay. out of anybody. We spend more time with you guys than we do with our position coaches. So I guess my question going into this is what's been the biggest, um, I would guess I had a couple of differences that you've taken away from to your two years removed what would you like want to bring to the college football or sorry i keep saying football but college sports world um if you were to kind of go back is there something that you would like want to help innovate yeah yeah i think um you know what you said earlier too is that ego side where i think 
a lot of people get attached to a way of training or something like a philosophy that they were trained in. Mm -hmm. And so their ego is attached, you know, to that style of training or, you know, to those means and methods, whatever that is for them. And I think that's the wrong way of looking at it. I think you have to develop this huge holistic toolbox and that way you can solve more problems, right? If, you know, if all you had was a hammer, every problem looks like a nail, you know? Mm. So the more you can grow your toolbox and the more open-minded you are, the more problems you can solve. The other thing about college sports is that, you know, everything's a little bit siloed, athletic training, you know, the coaching staff, the strength coaches. And I think that's the unity of that is getting better. And you're seeing these director of performance positions within college sports that are trying to unify and bring those all together. But I would say outside of sports, um, at least college sports, you look at, you know, soccer, um, you know, USA Olympic Training Center, they do a really good job of including all parties in all discussions and all conversations. So there's a unity between the strength coach and the technical coach and the athletic training staff. And there's just more holistic knowledge across the board and that way they can work synergistically together. So I would say that's one thing that college sports could be better at um, is just getting more holistic knowledge, pulling it all together, and then stepping outside of just one way of doing things and being more holistic, more open-minded with their development process. You know, I feel like the, the buzzword in, in college sports right now is player development. And everyone says they do player development. But oh my so God. Far, you know, just lifting and getting them stronger, the weight room or just practicing, that's that's not player development. They don't no. individualize enough. They don't truly spend their time and energy and objectively track and measure, you know, each player and their progress um, and, and truly kind of hone in on this player development plan. Because there's just there's a disconnect between coach and athletic, you know, performance staff um, that's truly not you know, working together to, to develop the player. Um, and that, that includes, you know, the nutritionist and the athletic trainer as well. But I feel like that could be much better now in college sports is that player development side. Yeah. It's funny. It's funny you say all that because, um, you know, I might be spilling a little bit of beans, but me and my, I have a mentor that's been in a holistic kind of performance space for a while. And I was saying how I wanted to help create a new role within college sports of, for lack of better words right now, like a team shaman. And that is someone who brings a holistic aspect where, you know, we sit down and we set the intention before every meeting. We set the intention before we go out to the field. We journal, you know, five minute little journal prompt about your goals, what you're grateful for, what I'm, what I'm wanting to do in practice today, doing some breath work, some meditation, bringing this like, you know, a lot of people call it woo woo. Um, and I have some friends in the college football world that I sent some stuff to that they didn't do it for a while. And I just got a text today saying, hey, man, I did that breath work. And I'm like, I'm feeling it. I'm like, yeah, man, you're learning how to breathe, you know. And so, but it's just such an old school way of thinking with some of these coaches. And I think like you said, it's starting to get more introduced because there's a lot of science behind it now. So like now the numbers are coming out that it's starting to get less woo woo. Um, but man, to have, it's like when you're removed from it, you remove this lens and you're able to zoom out and nobody's going to teach you that things while you're, while you're there. Because again, if it's not broke, don't fix it. It's almost like everybody's too scared to be curious because they don't want to mess up what's going on. So it's funny that I think that's lacking as well. Everybody talks about mental health. I was at Washington state when Tyler Helinski committed suicide and you know, everybody since then is like, well, mental health, mental health, but what are we doing about it? We're not doing, and there's nothing practical. Nobody's taking steps to like introduce a new role, a new system, a new holistic perspective. Because again, I believe in 
especially the big problem. And I'd like to get your take on this because again, strength coaches, you spend so much time with these players and these athletes and developing young men and women off the field. And I think, I think the big thing is just doing something about it, having a holistic perspective to where it's just more than on the field things. You know, it's, if you can help with this identity crisis, there's an identity crisis within sports where I think at the professional level too. And even I've talked to some coaches that have said, I don't know who I am without football. So they've played their whole life and they got into coaching and they're amazing at it and they're wonderful coaches, but there's still something in there that's like, this is all I know. This is who I am. So I think a part of that role would be helping with this identity off the field, because I think that's going to optimize your game and take your game to the next level because you're taking the pressure off of yourself. You're taking the expectations off. So, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit about, and then I want to kind of get into your story where you're from. We kind of jumped right into this, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, you know, just your take on kind of the problems you've seen with, with these athletes, because I don't think it's talked about enough. And the credit that you strength coaches do get, because we go to you guys for a lot of things, you know, so um, just kind of your take on that. Yeah, I think going into that identity piece, we see a lot of these athletes and coaches, they feel like their purpose in life is to play football. And I, you know, I don't disagree with that. I just don't think people's purpose here on li in life was to truly play football. I think football is a means to fulfilling their purpose. But if your identity is football, you know, when performance is not as good, how 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 do you think you're feeling about yourself? Or if performance is attached to that identity, your performance is going to go up and down with that identity attachment. So your identity has to be rooted something far deeper than football. And your purpose has to be rooted far deeper than football for performance to be consistent and for you to have the right lens, especially the way social media is now and mm. every the media is just just harps on people and, and for no reason that's a beyond out of your control um but that that goes back into a much bigger issue like just it's developing the person psychologically yes and like you said we don't we don't do that at the college level and and so now most of my conversations what with what we do with wild health is mm -hmm. around that identity piece is around you know breath work it's around um uh, meditation it's around gratitude journaling and it's trying to get them to buy into these other means that actually develop the psychological side because that's usually the biggest hole in people's performance everyone has the physical development and you see that early right everyone's physically talented especially when you get in the nfl like you're not going to separate yourself physically so how can we develop psychologically and if 100%. that's a, you know a therapist, if that's a performance coach, you know if that's truly diving into the meditation, into the the breath work, into the you know all of those things that develop the person, uh, that's where we see the biggest gains of performance um, from the development of our athletes now. Yeah, I mean Phil Jackson with his run with the Bulls and the Lakers used Paul Check. That was their secret weapon. It was a psychological, holistic tool that nobody else was doing at the time. And we wonder why, like you said, the performance skyrockets. And when your identity is attached to that performance, your, your, your self-worth, you think, goes down because that's who you are. Like, man, I can't stop thinking about this partner turner from LSU. I, like, I feel in my heart for him. I don't know if you watched the game, but I guess I didn't even watch it. I saw some highlights and somebody tagged me in something and 
it was, I guess he fumbled two punts in like huge situations and who's going to help that kid. And that's all I can think about is I've been there before, you know, where all I had to do was fair catch a ball and I fumbled the punt, but thank God Luke Falk came back in the fourth quarter and threw a game winning touchdown or else I would have been a really deep hole. And I can't imagine doing it on the level that he just did it at the other night. And like, that's a part of the game that nobody prepares you for. And that I don't think anybody's equipped enough there to help him. And I don't think any, you know, you're going to delete your social media. Like you said, social media these days is a whole nother obstacle for athletes. You are just constantly, especially at that level when you're elite, elite college and elite professional, you're being criticized constantly. And I can't even imagine um, what some of these players go through. And so I love that. I love that we're on this holistic vibe and I definitely want to dive into wild health. But first I want to. So you graduated from the University of Idaho. Um, where are you from? Are you from that area? Yeah, from Portland, Oregon, originally. Okay, yeah. cool. Cool. Yeah, so we were talking about before we got on here, uh, I was a kook, so I was in Pullman. <laughs> and we are uh, like border brothers right there, you know. Right. Um, did you ever make your way down to Pullman a little bit when you were in Idaho? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love Pullman. Yeah, there was yeah. Some great things around both towns. It was uh, it's just so unique to have two Division One schools that close to each other. Uh, yeah. it's, it's pretty unique, and it's a beautiful area if it, if people have ever spent time in the, in the Palouse. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, we'd have quite a few, uh, players coming back and forth. We'd meet and be like, Oh, you go to Idaho? Like, yeah, we're out here, you know, hanging out. It's like, Oh, this is so cool. Um, where do you live now? Are you in Portland? Yeah. So our headquarters at wild health is in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. And that's where I'm at now. Oh, so super cool. Super cool. Yes. Okay. Um, so, and then I know you had, you were at Eastern Washington. You said you had to stop at Oregon state, Michigan, um, yep. I mean, some huge, and you were involved in like six bowl games. You uh, were involved in some final fours for women's basketball. Um, I mean, could you talk to me about, I kind of want to know the commonalities between those bowl game teams, that final four team, like what were the commonalities between a lot of these teams and maybe even individuals that you've seen over your 15 plus years in that college space, you know, what were making these teams great? What were making these players great? Um, and why, you know, do you think that they were so successful? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I, I would say the the commonality commonalities that I saw with successful teams is a camaraderie. Um, there was just there was great camaraderie within the team. There were great relationships. They would push each other. They would be honest with each other on the field, um, but then had great relationships off the field as well. I mean, obviously the the, the pillars of it being in place, being like the the work ethic, the dedication, you know, loving the craft. You know, I think those things are definitely the foundation. But on top of that is is just the uh, the intricate um, connections that the the team had together, um, and they were honest with each other. They pushed each other. The you know the competition was always great, um, but also there was just there was always internal leadership. They mm -hmm. led themselves. They didn't rely on coaches. They didn't blame coaches. They didn't blame anybody else, but they took full responsibility and it was always player led um, and they had great team leadership and connection. I, I would say those were definitely from a, a team perspective, the ones that were the most successful um, in terms of players. I, you know, I just go back to what I was saying earlier. It's the truly the ones that were, you know, pretty consistent mentally, emotionally, physically uh, and psychologically. The ones that had those four things at least good enough. Uh, where it wasn't like a, a true performance anchor. Mm. Those were the ones that just performed the most consistently and had the greatest success. Um, and that's why when I was a strength coach, I was always fascinated with 
all factors of performance, not just strength and conditioning and not just getting bogged down because, you know, you oftentimes, Caleb, you've seen, you know, the strongest guy in the weight room is never the best football player. Yep. Right. So, you know, the most powerful guy is not the best football player, you know, so that doesn't always equate to, to success on the field or on the court. So what is it? Well, it's a, it's a lot bigger than that, right? There's so many qualities that go into football. There's so many factors, right? And we looked at the, the, the four coactive model, which is physical, psychological, technical, and tactical, right? So if you can understand the game plan, if you can understand the, um, you know, the strategy of the game, the game intelligence, the, the technique, right? The specific technique of a quarterback, how you throw the ball, you know, how you read the field, right? How you call a play, all of those things and details for that specific position. And then obviously the physical qualities um, that the game entails or the game demands, and then the psychological qualities that the game demands to be successful. And if there's a big negative or if there is a big um, uh, weakness in any of those areas, it's going to be a performance anchor. It's going to pull you out of a position to be successful. Um, so I really enjoyed the process of looking at kind of that that full model, the bigger picture, and how can we develop in all of these areas for them to be successful. But again, going back to the individuals, it was the ones that were most consistent in all of those areas that were most successful and had the most success. Yeah, I love, uh, that's that's a really cool, um, I don't wanna say program, what was the word, the four, the quadrant? Um, the four coactive model. Model, yeah, cool model to, um, I never thought of it that way. Um, but I love when you talked about it's not always the guy that's slipped in the weight room, right? And I think that's something that gets kind of, I think, egotistical when you're in the weight room is like loading up that bar. And it's like, okay, but how efficient are you with that movement? I mean, you're not moving that weight very fast at all. And so, you know, I think there's what's kind of get, came into my next question with you is kind of like, what's your philosophy or I guess style of, of, of coaching when it comes to performance and optimization and kind of just what you're looking for? I know... I know there's different phases. I know that there's different, um, you know, there's strength, there's explosion. I just, I guess, what's your overall philosophy of what you're looking for when you're training a high level athlete? Yeah. So um, I would say, if I can answer that from my current role, yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, we want to truly get an understanding of the, uh, the picture of this individual. Um, and we do so by, at Wild Health, we sequence your genetics. And that really gives us an in-depth knowledge of the blueprint genetically of an individual. Um, and with that, we look at 800,000 different genetic variances, and we can truly tell based off of this genetic framework of how you maybe metabolize certain macronutrients like saturated fat versus poly and monounsaturated fatty acids and carbohydrates as fuel. So what's the best fuel source for you or what's the best macro break, uh, breakdown of, of a diet that that's best for you genetically and we can also look at micronutrients and just neurobehavioral factors and sleep and areas you might be predisposed in for areas of performance um, and then we look at the blood work kind of like okay what is your current lifestyle look like like what time do you wake up what's your daily routine look like what do you eat and what times do you eat how much do you eat and so we want to get a complete picture of your current lifestyle and we look at the genetics kind of compared to with your lifestyle and how those things interact so it's epigenetics and genetics and then the downward stream of that we look at blood work and optimizing biochemistry 
and then obviously looking at the sport like okay what is the kind of sport analysis where are your strengths where are your weaknesses where do we need to develop a little bit more and it's really my job of saying okay if we need to develop strength then let's get you paired up with the right person or let's create the right plan for you from a strength perspective right so you might be maybe you're a blocking tight end and you need to get more athletic and develop speed so we're probably going to emphasize more of a speed development program obviously you still need to microdose some strength because that's a big factor of, of the demands of the sport and being successful uh, and being fast but it has to be balanced correctly and at the right times of year um, and what we try to do is is once we kind of pair them in and put them in the right environment physically right then we create the lifestyle around that physical development so we're going to make sure that you know if you're doing an aerobic heavy day we're going to pulse in the right nutrients the right amount of food specifically for your needs individually at the right times to get the most out of that workout the same thing with supplementation it's the same thing with circadian rhythm optimization mm -hmm. when you wake up what your morning routine is to set that perfect cycle throughout the day so your circadian rhythm is optimally functioned so those physical outputs are kind of firing on all cylinders at the right time of day and then you can also drop melatonin or excuse me drop cortisol peak melatonin in the evening to get the most out of your sleep right and then it's okay how can we maximize sleep because that's probably one of the most important recovery factors that we can optimize for brain health for physical health and so how how can we optimally support that structure of sleep that gets the most amount of REM and deep sleep so you get recovered and then also we want to apply the right recovery strategy at the right time as well. And there's so many different recovery strategies and our ability to kind of reach into that toolbox and say, okay, this time of year, we only want to stick to, you know, breath work or hot and cold stimuluses. Mm -hmm. So in season, when we can use a little bit more of a powerful recovery tool that we can get the most out of that recovery tool and your response from that recovery tool is going to be a lot greater during season than it is off season. Wow. It's lit literally optimizing every little detail that we can. And really it's, it's, it's a way it's about taking away our performance anchors. And when I say performance anchors, it's anything that's pulling you out of that optimal state and performance is truly state dependent. So when we're practicing, when we're watching film, how that's wired in your body is truly state dependent. So if you're in a negative state, you know, it's it's going to create dis, a dysfunction within your body, right? Within your central nervous system. If mm -hmm. you're in a positive state, it's going to wire itself in a very positive manner. So we want to make sure that it, it's, you know, if you're on your phone, you know, an hour leading up into, you know, workout, that's probably going to be a performance anchor. Same thing if your first, you know, morning routine, part of your morning routine is getting on your phone or answering emails that's a performance anchor. If you're watching TV at night, that's a performance anchor. So we want to make sure that we're we're taking away those energy leaks or those performance leaks and that we're uh, making sure that, you know, those aren't truly an attachment or those aren't an addiction. And then if it is, okay, let's address the psychological man or, or the behavior change that we need to, to, to fix those performance anchors. Wow. That, um, is literally incredible. I think this is one of the most priceless things I've ever heard. Um, I mean, I got goosebumps when you're talking about it just because it's like what you guys are doing is you're taking all the thinking out for these athletes. 
Yeah. You're literally people talk about, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an optimization. Like yes, in the sense of okay, t giving getting people on the right thing. You know, knowing the knowledge, absolutely. But for you to actually go in and break down every little intricate detail about your your genetic makeup is what makes you the most uncommon thing, right? It's it's everybody's so different. There's no one size fits all. And everybody always goes, there's no cookie cutter. But for the most part, everything's cookie cutter because you're not getting down to the genetics of somebody, which you guys are, which is really incredible. And I think of when you're an athlete, I mean, like LeBron spends like millions of dollars on his body every year, right? Like this is something that if you're serious about elite athlete or you're a team that like has a couple players that maybe you can afford to get onto it, you know, like because this that's that's a priceless thing. I was thinking about like if I was an elite level athlete, the benefits that I would have to just be like, yeah, okay, because you never know, right? Like you're taking these supplements, I'm taking these things, I'm doing this stuff, and can I feel a difference? Yes, sometimes, but. I don't really have the numbers. I don't really know, have the knowledge to understand. So the fact that you guys do all that is literally incredible. I had, my mind was rolling. I just, I know of a couple of people that I'm like, Hey man, I need to get you in here with, with Nathan, man. You know, like you guys need to start uh, getting on this. Cause that, that's incredible that you guys, um, you guys, and how does that work? So wild health, like, um, is it pretty much you guys are only doing like individuals right now or how does that, how does that work? Yeah. So, um, Wild Health, it's a, you know, it's a genomics precision medicine company. Um, and we, we look at the full spectrum. Um, so we deal with like autoimmune, chronic disease and our clinical base. Mm. Uh, so more of the, the chronic disease side all the way to the performance side of that spectrum, wow. which is taking that, okay, that individual individualized medicine, but more from a performance lens. So then how can we fine tune that and apply that to, you know, elite performance athlete? Um, so we actually are the a medical care provider for CrossFit, for Spartan races, um, and then we just signed to deal with USA Boxing as well. Um, so we do bigger groups, but okay. uh, we kind of have we have twelve NFL athletes that we work with, and um, about twenty other professional athletes are across, you know, different uh, variety of, of different professional sports. That's incredible, man. This is a. Uh, I mean, I don't think you can. I mean, it's a it's a no brainer if you're really serious about being as optimal as you could possibly be in your in your field i mean there's no excuse for it i mean especially with the science that you have right it's like hey if you could do it like why aren't you you're literally taking all the thinking out i love what you talked about i'd love to hear your take on because when i got out of i came up a walk-on i had this walk-on mentality this grind hustle mentality of just i'm gonna outwork everybody all the time and i realized once i got out of college that that's not efficient uh i'm gonna have several like breakdowns and you know, I've, I became very big on rest and allowing myself to rest. And you were talking about sleep. So I'm very curious to hear your take on kind of the harmony and balance. And obviously everybody's different, um, but just kind of your take on this, this harmony of rest and when to put your foot on the gas and when to take it off just from yeah, a general yeah. point of view. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think that's, you know, a big issue um, is especially in, in the world of sports is we always preach like you have to get up at you know 4 a.m you have to you know work 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 it's all about you know just being working like working harder than the other person which that is a part of it but you also have to have the right strategy and you have to apply it to the uh, to the individual you know because there are some people that are just work better and perform okay at with four or five hours of sleep 
Um, like we have clock genes that we look at that, you know, there are people that have to have eight hours of sleep to perform well. I mean, I think people probably know who they are, but if you were applying like a, uh, a Jocko or, you know, a, a Kobe Bryant strategy of just, you know, getting six hours of sleep or less, that might not work for that individual and actually might be detriment to that individual. And so I think there's a bare minimum of health that you have to sustain to make sure that you are getting the most out of, you know, all of your physical development, time and practice, prime and gym, time practicing, time watching film. And that level of health is going to be different for everybody. Like you look at a, a 315 pound offensive lineman, you know, mm -hmm. versus a wide mm -hmm. receiver, that level of health is different. Yeah. But, you know, I think you have to have those, you know, pillars of recovery in place like sleep, nutrition, um, you know, stress reduction. You have to have those things in place because you're also playing the long game. You mm. know, like Tom Brady's the perfect example. You know, he he obviously was so, you know, football focused. But at some point he realized there was a ceiling to that. And in order for him to play the game as long as he wanted, he had to dedicate himself to the recovery. And so his lifestyle changed to be able to do so. And some people don't figure that out until it's too late. Mm. Right. Mm. At least he had some forward thinking. Um, and so what we're trying to do is, is get ahead of game and be preventative. And that's kind of our goal with the, what we do at wild health. It's preventative medicine, right? Um, it, it's, you know, it's not responsive medicine. Uh, I love but, that. You know, but going back to, you know, what I was saying, I, I think, um, you know, there's just, a um, when you're in a high performance paradigm, like you just, you have to be able to surround your whole lifestyle with that. Um, and the strategies you use is so important. It's not just hard work. It's applying the right strategy, if that makes sense. A hundred percent. And like you said, it's going to catch up to you. It's yeah. going to catch up to you. And I think, I love how you said you guys are preventative. You're, you're stopping that breakdown you're you're helping so you don't get to that point to where that longevity kicks in i love when i read about you guys it's, it was the longevity game you're playing the long game like yeah. if you're not thinking about that then you're probably not going to be great right you're thinking about how i could be world class for as long as i could possibly be which i absolutely love i kind of want to get more into into you and what makes you tick man like i'm so curious about how you ended up where you are in this current moment of, with all this knowledge and you know, I guess prior to going to the University of Idaho, like, you know, were you a sports guy? What got you kind of into this world of human optimization? Yeah, I mean, I was always a big sports guy and I loved all sports, um, you know, football where I probably had my greatest potential. But I just I love sports in general. And my family did. I grew up around sports. Um, it's just this competitive outlet. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I was so competitive. I was ADD as a kid, you know, didn't sit in class well and um you know i didn't resonate with school just because it just didn't fulfill me or didn't feel like i was getting a lot out of it you know but i was always so curious about all areas of, of health and performance it was always just this driving curiosity and through a lot of failures and health issues you know through my life it it really led me to where i'm at today and um you know i think you know with with all elite performers is they always know that there's going to be ups and downs there's going to be success, there's going to be failure. But what I've observed is the ones that usually are the greatest is they're, they're so performance driven and they're so like 
obsessive about the outcome that they they that works back to being obsessive about the process mm. but even when they're in the low state they're not victimized they're not feeling sorry for themselves they're truly investing in that low point right because in order to get to a new peak you have to get into a valley right so then it's investing yourself in that valley it's putting all of your chips in. okay i'm at a low point it's accepting it it's it's not resisting it but it's like okay i'm at a low point i'm going to fully accept it i'm going to fully dive into this low point so when i reach that next peak it's going to be beautiful and then it's you can fully appreciate that next peak being at that high point you can really enjoy those wins but knowing that there's probably going to be another valley coming but also that's probably where you learn the most and you know through this process and journey that i went through um you know there's still areas where i probably resist it takes me some time to wake up, but I've really gotten a lot, of, a lot out of each failure and invested and learned the most during those failure points of my life. That's that's incredible, man. Um, a couple of things come up for me, man. Fire me up over here, but uh, it's uh, man, those those low points. And I again, I think if like if you're going through life, you're gonna have valleys, you know. Let alone anything you do, there's just gonna be this adversity that hits. Um, and I love how it's that's where you're really tested. Um, and I'd love to dive deeper in that. But first, I want to ask: Are you are you a Tim S. Grover guy? Uh, like what? Tim Tim Grover, Relentless. Have you read that book? Uh, from Good uh, to Great I, to Relentless. Yeah, I've, I've heard of him. I haven't read his book, uh, and I'm an avid reader, so I'll put it on my list. Yeah. Okay. Well, because you said some things that like he really hit. So he was Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant's trainer, Dwayne Wade. <laughs> um, yeah, it's called it's called Relentless: From Good to Great to Unstoppable. Um, okay. But uh, I mean, you, you you said a lot of things, so I thought maybe you read that book, and uh, so which is pretty cool that you haven't, because uh, obviously you're on the same page. But yeah, he's he's uh, obviously up there with all that stuff. But um, just talking about that obsessive, he always talks about, like you said, the people that are the best. It's you gotta be, you gotta love the results so much that, like you said, you just the the side effect is falling in love with the process because you just crave the result. Like yeah. you don't have to love the work, you just have to crave the result, and yeah again touching on the victim i think that's like the like second time you brought it up and i love that i'm so anti-victim mentality and it's and it's easier said than done i've been a victim several times in my life where you know i got injured or something happened and i'm just like oh why me why me and then it's like no that's where you get pulled out of it um but i kind of if if you're willing to go into it i'm curious to just know like was there a a moment or you know you talked about these failures that you had if you wanted to share a couple of them or whatever the case was if there's one defining one that kind of got you onto this path or that you really had to overcome that made you realize your, I don't know, your calling in this field or, you know, what kind of got you to this point? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, two big ones come up, um, after two years at, at Idaho, uh, I had four knee surgeries in that two years. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, so that I think really kind of set me on the, the path of kind of being obsessive with, with health and performance. Um, but I, I would say the one most recently that got me out of college sports um, is uh, I had an episode where they found, um, you know, it was eight hemangiomas in my brain and five of them were bleeding. Oh, my God. Uh, I had an episode where uh, I went through, you know, some basically some severe like uh, vertigo. I couldn't speak. I was throwing up. I was so dizzy. I couldn't walk in a straight line. I could barely walk. Um, and it was just, it was out of the blue. Um, but it, it stemmed from these hemangiomas that were in my brain previously. And they just, they started bleeding. So I had an internal brain bleed. Oh my God. 
and it took me it took me about six months of you know some pretty serious recovery to get out you know out of that but they were in in places of the brain that was just too risky to do surgery on so it just took a, a process of rehab and, and kind of changing this lifestyle but you know realized you know that was a big realization for me caleb like you talked about earlier is my identity was so attached to my work that it was causing so much stress in my life like i you know i lost so much and i sacrificed so many friendships and relationships because i was dedicating myself so much to my work because that's where my identity was um and when work wasn't going well it put just so much strain and stress on myself and i just i just wanted to be successful i just wanted to prove everybody wrong um and i was in a you know position where i wasn't getting full support from the administration which you know was just circumstance and it didn't define me and it didn't you know take away with the work that i was doing you know but i looked at it as a, a hit to me and it was a reflection you know on me personally um but that really woke me up to a lot of uh, different things and really set me on this different side of, of performance uh, with wild health. Um, and I'm, you know, so thankful for that opportunity, but it, it just, uh, it ignited this, this self growth, you know, position um, and this opportunity to, to really dive into myself and learn more about myself and really figure out who I am, what I wanted and kind of figure out like that, you know, I always felt like I had a purpose, um, you know, but kind of figuring out that above all else is so important. Um, so that I, I think that was probably the biggest one. Wow, dude! Th first of all, thank you for sharing. That's incredible, um, inspiring, man. It's uh, you know, for it's hard to get to that point. It takes courage to go inward, man, because it's scary. Yeah. And you know, and for you to even get to the point where you're able to reflect and talk about those things that you lost, because I don't, I think sometimes we go down such a deep hole that there's just no point that we just let ourselves lose it until we die. Like we're just going to keep going on down this path. This idea of inertia, my buddy, the other co-host on this podcast likes to talk about of like an object of motion will stay in motion until it's moved. Right. And that's same with life. Like I'm just going to keep doing this because this is what I do. And yep. for you to have something like that, that woke you up. And I'm really curious to know kind of the techniques that I don't know if anything that you did or used, um, you know, any type of, like we said, techniques or practical things that kind of helped you with this identity process, because I love the words that you use, just going inward and learning more about yourself. Cause I went through the same thing when, when football ended, I was like, man, and I'm thankful that it hit me at that point. And I didn't just jump right into the next thing with sports because I would be like, not going to the NFL was the best thing that ever happened to me. Like a hundred percent hands down because it forced me to go inward and be like, who the hell am I? And yeah. so I'm curious to know what, what kind of work you did, um, you know, and even little routine-wise, anything practical that you kind of did that helped you through this identity process? Yeah, yeah, it's a great question, Caleb, because, you know, I, I think, you know, I think the universe does give you clues along the way, you know, but we're just, we're so, like, one-track-minded, like, we're, we don't, we're so, you know, in motion all the time, like, going, 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 like, we don't slow down to truly observe and appreciate every little thing. Um, you know, so I spent a lot of time in meditation. I spent a lot of quiet time, a lot of time journaling, self-reflecting. Um, and I got, you know, just an immense amount of knowledge about myself within that. Like, you know, if I'm experiencing something or if I'm feeling an emotion, am I able just to sit with that and be okay with it and give yeah. space? For that? 
And there's so much intelligence in that. And I think, you know, even in the sports world, like we're just taught basically to be like emotionally dull, like, you know, just push shut up and play. Mind. Yeah. Right. Um, but, you know, truly becoming emotionally intelligent, like emotionally intelligent, isn't just being, um, you know, just completely stoic, right. It's being able to, um, to sit with emotions, to feel emotions, to know what those emotions mean. Like you can be very emotional, but I'm obviously intelligent about those emotions. Um, so there is a process of that emotional intelligence for me and relearning how to be okay with certain emotions and sit with emotions. And, um, you know, meditation gave me that, you know, so I would say those are probably the biggest thing where I feel like I'm much more present. I'm much more in the now, you know, a lot of development on the spiritual side and, and reading. And um, so I, I think, I think those things probably move the needle the most. Yeah, man, you are, you're speaking my language. Um, tremendously. It's like, the, I, it's like you dive down this rabbit hole and I, I speak of it as like you start to reach certain levels of awareness to where you can't go back. Like you become aware, like you'd meditate one time, you do this breath work one time, and it takes you to this level where you're like, whoa, this is possible. And what's the next thing? And then you go down this rabbit hole, and the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know anything. And so it's like this crazy like cycle. I'm really curious because you're just hitting all these buzzwords. Like, who are you? What who are some people that you were like uh, you know, reading into the books that you were reading? What were some kind of um, off the top of my head, I don't know if, if you're in the same boat, but uh, uh, one was that was big was like uh, the Untethered Soul. Like I'm a big Michael A. Singer fan. Um, you know, there's a Rob Robin Sharma is a guy that uh, it's kind of in that spiritual um, world. I haven't been too much into like I haven't gotten too read too much into the performance aspect of things, um, which I'm sure you are probably you dive down a lot. But yeah, just I guess who are some? I'm a big book share. So any type yep. of like resources or people that you were looking into during that time, I'd love to know. Yeah, I think the big ones for me, Eckhart Tolle, if you've ever heard of him, um, he's he's phenomenal. Uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza yeah. uh, wrote, yeah, You Are the Placebo was a good one. I mean, I, I've always, you said Paul Check earlier. I've, I've actually, I came across Paul Check like early in my career, like in college, I came across mm. Paul Check. I've always been an avid listener of him. Um, and I guess, you know, more of the you know, I was always listening to Paul more on the like the lifestyle stuff, the the physical stuff. And he kind of got into more of the spiritual side, which just didn't, you know, resonate with me at the time. It just wasn't on that frequency. Yeah. Uh, but then obviously went back to it, you know, obviously at the, the right time when I was open to, to listening to it. So, I, you know, dug, dug into a lot of Paul check stuff as well. I love that. Yeah, I got to get you. Uh, I got to talk to you after the podcast about one of my friends that uh friends mentors brothers that's kind of you guys are very on the same space man with a lot of this stuff um but that's just a side note for me um, <laughs> but yeah man there's there's a you know correlation doesn't equal causation but i do think there's this correlation between this foundation of spirituality <clears throat> faith whether it's god whether it's the universe um whatever you believe in having that faith and that foundation and being able to actually surrender to it and like you said, it's this stress fa uh, factor. We are all so busy being busy. I I do it all the time. I I did it two days ago. I I and it's this process of of going inward and identity and finding out who you are is a daily choice and a daily battle and a daily practice. You grow these muscles just like you would in the gym. Um, and man, like conversations like this, I know a lot of my teammates, former teammates, kids that are still playing, like they listen to this. 
Um, and I have a lot of people reach out just about that kind of aspect because I was, man, if you would have seen me in college or some dude with long hair coming and talking about all this stuff, I'm like, dude, who's this hippie trying to tell me like, what? Like, I'd be like, I'm going to go work out 10 more times today. Like, you know, like I just didn't care. I, I wasn't open. Like you said, I wasn't on that frequency. Um, and the, the, the man I mentioned, I met right after college, when we were getting ready to train, introduced me, him and this, uh, this other guy's names are uh, Matt and Devin. Um, but they started this holistic athlete middle school in California called the Togethership, which I worked at. Um, and that started this spiritual journey for me of like going down that rabbit hole. So I'm always so curious when people had a similar awakening, you yeah. know, um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And it takes courage because you have to let that old part of you die. You have to like literally let that old part of you die. And all these agreements and expectations and things that you made in your head about that old person and that you're not anymore. So, um, so fascinating. Um, I guess a, a thing that popped up for me too was, so your, your whole journey throughout college sports, I'd like to know what are some kind of top experiences or games or just, you know, throughout that journey, man, what are some of the top, I mean, you can't really rank them, right? I mean, but no big or small, but what are just some that stick out to your experiences throughout that, that journey? And even to now, people you've worked with, uh, and moments you've seen, games that you've got to, you know, be a part of? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, just going back to just the relationships you develop is probably the, um, the the biggest thing I take away, you know, in the conversations I still have with a lot of those guys and um, those athletes uh, and just the the bond that you create during that time. Uh, it's just this unbreakable bond that you sticks with you uh, for the rest of your life that it's it's very special that way. Just, there, you know, you're in the foxhole, you're fighting together daily, like you're going through this so hard, like this hard experience. Um, and you develop this this really uh, neat kinship and relationship with these athletes that uh, it's always fun to reflect on. But, you know, I think there's always fun games that you go back to. I mean, I would say uh, the 2016 game, Michigan versus Ohio State, when we were at Ooh. Ohio State, uh, was a special one. We lost in double overtime. Uh, but just that level of competition, the the athletes that were on both sides of that is probably one of the, the best games I've seen in person from a you know, even though we, we lost just like a, a competitive game was, mm -hmm. was and just the, the fight that was in that game and sustained throughout the game was pretty special. Uh, but there was bowl games. There was, you know, great games, bad games. Um, and I think they, they all brought a, a phenomenal experience and a learning experience and a, a time to observe. And I think that's the great thing about sports is that it's just such an culmination of all this work ethic and process. And it's, you know, just it's put on display. And if you didn't do your preparation or if there was something wrong with your strategy, whatever that may be, you know, it goes back to the scoreboard. And so then you can work back from uh, backwards from that scoreboard and look mm -hmm. at your process and figure, okay, what do we need to tweak and fine tune? Um, and it's a little bit different in, in the business world. Um, you know, you truly get like, okay, this is the, the culmination of our process and this is putting on a, a huge stage. Let's see where we're at. Um, and you, you know, you miss that a little bit and just that competitive environment, um, you, you miss that a little bit, but, uh, but that's the beautiful thing about sports and, um, you know, I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah, man. I think you read my mind a little bit where, uh, I mean, you touched on those relationships and that competitiveness and man, it's, that's the things that I miss. It's the little things. It's just the, the talks, the conversations, bullshitting with my coaches going into the the, the room a little early and talking about just random shit. You know, it's just, you don't have that every day or being with your best friends. You guys live down the street. You guys get older, you move on with your lives. You, 
you know, you guys start your own lives, your own journeys, and everything gets a lot more serious when you're done playing, you know, you move on from this college lifestyle, whatever the case is. But um, you said, you know, that is the beautiful thing about sports. Um, it's, it's truly incredible, man, just all the things. And, you know, I've been struggling with lately is something I told my, my friend, I was like, you know, in sports, like you said, you get this instant feedback. It's like instant feedback. And you know the compound effect. You know if I do this in the off season, I'm gonna shine during season. It's like this formula. It's it's not it's black and white. It's not, but then you get to life and you get to the business world or whatever the case is, like you said, in life it's not as black and white. What's my one percent today? Right. And it's crazy how different the one percent is because for me it was like, yeah, okay, go out, catch some balls. I know exactly what I need to do to get better. And sometimes it's not always physical, sometimes it's watching film, but it was like it was more. I don't know, I guess kind of served to you. Like you kind of knew the steps to take in life. It's a, you have to kind of do it yourself. You're trial and erring so much trying to figure out what this 1% is for you to reach whatever your goals are. And the thing is no one's going to do it for you. When you're in this lifestyle with a team, you're held accountable. They care if you show up because it's detrimental to the team. Nobody cares if you don't show up in life. That's on you, man. You know, like if you have a family, obviously, but you, but people will start to, Hey man, you're, you're messing up. I got to move on. So it's like, you have to have this, this self, you know, discipline, this self, I guess, lack you know, motivation, but just interesting, interesting. Um, like you said, you get that instant feedback. Yeah. The instant feedback and that accountability can be really hard for some people too. Um, especially the hard chargers because they're so hard on themselves. Like if they're not, you know, if they didn't make a perfect play every single time or they weren't perfect every single time, they're just brutal on themselves. It's just the self-talk, you know, it's like, it's, you know, they're very hard on themselves versus, you know, truly looking at that failure, like as a, an opportunity to, to improve your strategy or, Hey, what could I have done differently? And your thought process always blames yourself first and foremost. And that can be a very difficult thing to get over. Um, and so self-talk is so important, but also finding what's optimal, not perfect. Mm. And everybody strives for perfection, but you can't be perfect every single day, every single play. So what is optimal for that play or that day? If you had a bad night of sleep, you can still be optimal for your current state, right? If you're in a away game in a hostile crowd, you can find optimal you know, for that plus bad weather, whatever it is, you can find optimal for that environment. You know, you can find optimal for, you know, that someone's truly better than you that you're competing against. You can still find optimal against them. And so I think this is this strive to be perfection is is not a, a great path to, to follow. Um, mm -hmm. And then just having this positive self-talk is also such an important strategy for athletes. I love that, man. I love that because change is the only constant right and especially in football you, i love those pregame speeches like hey man the only thing promised today is adversity right sports any any anything you're doing life the only thing promised is adversity how are you going to respond how okay cool we got punched in the face how are we going to maneuver around this obstacle what's the opportunity right being optimal i love that um another thing you touched on is funny because uh i'm reading the four agreements with my students right now and it's uh you know, what we talked about today or something that came up was it said, you know, justice is being punished one time for that mistake. And us as humans, we punish ourselves thousands of times for the same mistake. I dropped that ball, but I'm going to go think about this for the next five days. Like, dude, you are literally just like, you know, and so it's so hard and it's easier said than done. But that's one thing that came up for me when you said that, because that self-talk, that, that voice in your head, man, the judge, that inner judge, it can be brutal. 
um, yeah. and finding ways to befriend it, man. And just, Hey, you know what? I dropped that ball. What can I do? I, I, the only thing I can, I can't go back and fix it. I got to move on, play the next play and catch this next one. Like it's coming. Like you said, being optimal in each, each environment, man. I absolutely, absolutely love that. Um, man, it's just so many, so many great things, man. So many great things. I appreciate, uh, everything you're doing, man, in the sports world yeah. and, and you, I just, I feel your, uh, your energy through the, I like to, I'm, I always, I keep telling people all these guests that I like having on, I'm like, Hey, when I dial this in and I get a studio, we're flying you out. So I can get the in-person energy because I feel it through the screen. Um, but being in the same room obviously brings a little bit of that energy, but man, I feel your, your intelligence and your passion for this, um, for what you guys are doing, man. It's beautiful. So I, I just appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you. I mean, I feel like we'll have a lot to connect on in the future, and I just uh, appreciate you you having me. But uh, but likewise, I mean, I think you and I both are so passionate about this, and again, almost obsessive yeah. uh, that I believe we could probably talk about this all day. Uh, I know. And have a but uh, but again, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate you having me on and get to to talk my my passions and uh, what we're doing at Wild Health. Yeah, man, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely wanted to touch on you know uh, where to find you. Um, where to find, uh, you know, your, your personal stuff. If, if you got anything brewing from your personal stuff, you know, wild health, um, just kind of what you're up to, what you got going, where to find it. Um, you know, that whole deal. Yeah. So, um, in wild health, we have a genetic optimization athletic team. Uh, that's myself. And then we kind of have an athletic optimization doctor and we have an executive assistant that, you know, for any athlete that wants to be a part of that, that program, it's a, it's a full concierge service. So, you know, if you need a supplement, we'll order it for you, send it to you. If you need an aura ring, we order it to you and send it to you. So we, we truly wanted to minimize all the effort and energy an athlete has to spend. Um, you can find that on wildhealth.com backslash athletics. And that takes you to our landing page. Uh, and then for anybody else that's just interested in, in wild health, you know, from the clinical side or there, you know, I mean, I believe everybody's an athlete and everyone should be athlete minded. Um, you know, if you just want to uplevel your performance, um, just go to wildhealth.com. I, I absolutely love that, man. Um, it's, man, to me, I just keep thinking about like, man, like if I was like this, it's a no brainer for me, man. Like you're just, you're literally taking everything out of the equation. Like all I got to do is show up and perform and do my best, you know? So, um, incredible, but yeah, man, again, I feel like, yeah, we could talk about all this stuff for, for so much because uh, it's, it's cool for me because as much as I'm passionate about it, um, you know, I'm not as far as ex experienced and just the things that you've seen and done and, and hearing people that are on such a level that you're at. It's like, that's what sparks my curiosity. I'm like, man, I just want to, I want to know more, you know, like, how do we do all this? So, um, really cool. And I just, again, really appreciate you taking the time, Nate, and, um, and, uh, talking to me, man, I really appreciate the value that you bring. I think this is going to be a very influential, impactful episode. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks so much, Kevin. Appreciate it.